Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Raz Bowl Wrap-Up Show. I, I guess it can't be another edition, but we're talking about the Raz Bowl again here on Fantasy Impact today. But we're going to wrap up our Raz Bowl experience between uh, my good friend, and he's back with me again. He writes for Raz Bowl website, but more than that, he spends his days moving draft rooms right along. He's my new Twitter bust bestie, J.B. Barry. How you doing, J.B.? I'm doing good, Wes. Thanks for having me back, man. This is fun. I know. I well, I saw uh, who was it? Coop took a picture, placed it on the on Twitter of the big smile you had on your face after your first podcast appearance. So how could we not do it again? That's right. It's natural, man. I can't help it. <laughs> JB, I am sure you are Twitter besties with a bunch of people, but I would like to think that I'm a I, I'm I'm kind of special to you. You are special, Wes. We, I mean, we've been spending a lot of time together in draft rooms over the past couple of weeks, and nothing says bro bonding more than suffering through multiple slow drafts together. Am I right? <laughs> I do think you're right. We were in, so we were in the Raz Bowl draft room, and then just by just by chance, we ended up. What was it? The Hunger Bowl. Yep, the Hunger Bowl draft also together. And you who can't get that? rid of me? Who? Well, I. You're, you're, I'm like a flea, though. I'm jumping on your back and just riding along. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, who does the Hunger Games again? I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure. The Hunger Bowl is Aaron, um, Aaron Sopchak, I think is his name. Um, he did a great job of organizing it, um, donating to No Kid Hungry for um, the charity of choice for this. So all of the entries to get in was by donating to No Kid Hungry. So another person in the fantasy community doing good thing and giving back to charity and and to those who need the help it's it's just really incredible to see what the fantasy community is doing for for all these different charities and and great causes and I, so i can't remember which came first because things have just been uh, things have just been moving really fast for me of late do you remember how we met because i really don't remember it all <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure the bromance started in the league 13 ras bowl draft uh the ras bowl did come before the hunger bowl so okay. that started a few weeks ago and i did listen to you and my boy john frisella do podcasts before but when we got our ras bowl league assignments i did start that group chat with the league just yeah. so we had a place to talk to each other throughout the draft and throughout the season and of course, as you know, so I can give the friendly on the clock nudges to everybody. So that's where we first met. <laughs> nudges? I don't know if they were nudges. You're, hey, yo, come on. You're on the clock. Let's go. Let's keep moving, buddy. <laughs> hey, man, we talked about this. Slow drafts aren't my thing. I like to get things done, man. So, hey, if it takes a friendly, hey, buddy, you're on the clock. Let's go. What you waiting for? <laughs> I'll yeah. do it. I'll do it. Well, I, when, you, when you gave me the... I, opportunity to join the hunger bowl i think you tweeted it out and i responded and got in the hunger bowl that night that one really hit home to me uh i you don't know a lot about me i don't open up a, a lot i will over a period of time it, it's not that i'm shy it's just the opportunities don't always present themselves whenever you're doing a fantasy sports format but it, i used to i i was a one of those latchkey kids whenever i was growing up as a kid it was just me and my mother, and a lot of times we would bounce around from place to place. I, I, as I got older, I realized that 
it was basically because we couldn't pay the rent at one place, so we'd go to another place, and, and it's just kind of, get I'd moved around a bunch as a child, so that's why I don't meet a lot of strangers. I like to reminisce with people I don't know. Oh, but, wow. Yeah, and, and so anyway, we didn't have a lot of food in the house. And uh, I, I mean, I would get a, a box of those cheap Lucky Charms or something like that whenever I got home, and that's something I would just snack on the rest of the night. Or, or I just, I did. There wasn't a lot of food, so I didn't eat a lot. And so when I had a chance to enter into these Hunger Games and donate to that cause, it was just perfect one-two punch for me. I do a lot of things with backpacks for kids and stuff like that in our community and around our area. So I was really happy to join that Hunger Bowl. Absolutely. That's great. And that's, that's, I mean, thank you for opening up and, and sharing that part of your past. And I could absolutely hear how that cause would definitely be near and dear to your heart. And I'm glad that you did see my tweet and were able to participate. And like I said, I'm glad Aaron thought to even start this league and to donate to that cause because there are so many kids out there and people out there that just don't have it as well as we have it. I mean, we don't we don't think about it all the time that, you know, we come home, we, we put dinner on the table, we eat our dinner and, and we go sit on the couch and we don't think about how that's not just a natural thing for so many people. I and mean, when you don't think about it like that, you don't realize and, and it's just such a great cause and so glad that, again, that the fantasy community is, is bonding together to help these people that need the help. Yeah, it is a great cause, JB, and people can find out more information about that if they would like a way to donate. Um, I, I just pulled it up online, and it, this little girl will break your heart right here looking at you with a with a little apple in her in her hands. Uh, NoKidHungry.org, fantastic cause. I hope to get I hope to get Aaron on the show sometime to talk more about this and as results for the Hunger Bowl because I know he he was able to raise a bunch of money for it. That sounds like a good idea for the next podcast, Wes. Let's bring Aaron on recap our hunger bowl draft and let him talk about uh what led him to to start this well that that's a job for you jb you're always out there hustling and bustling on the twitterverse uh looking for people to get to know and and you could just push him our way i uh, will do he... that aaron Sobchak coming at you buddy <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you and i have known each other for a while when we when we decided to start doing this podcast on a regular basis what we're going to do is we, we got to think of a cool name for it though as we plug it into the fantasy impact today network absolutely i mean we have to start to brainstorm some sort of ideas you know something like loafing the coaches it's too plain we we got more swagger than that, Wes. We're going to have to start trying to think of some ideas for a name. But, yeah, I love the idea of doing a podcast together on a regular basis. Like I said, I enjoyed the last one so much. And I think we'd be doing a disservice to the whole fantasy community to not give them our fun and entertaining football talk regularly. I'm really looking forward to it. I am, too. And you make me giggle. I don't I don't really know why yet, but you make me giggle, JV. Likewise. Likewise. You're a funny guy. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's, I hope not just my looks you're talking about. <laughs> so you and I were in the same Rasbo League draft together, and we just wrapped it up last night. We, and we picked kind of back-to-back in this draft. Uh, you picked third. I picked fourth. So there were many times when you'd be picking before me or I'd be picking right before you as it, as it turned back around and went down the opposite side there. I was always hoping that you didn't get my guy. And you might have had similar feelings when we made the turn and it was coming back to you. I did. So what what I'd like to do in this show is just compare draft picks, talk about our firsts, our seconds, our thirds, and try to figure out who has the better team. So we'll go kind of, here's my first quarterback, here's your first quarterback, and where you drafted them kind of. All right, sounds like a good idea. I see us being gladiators in a ring. 
as we do this, okay? Because we're in this, <laughs> or two nights on horses jousting, and we go back and forth at each other on this, okay? Uh-oh. So you started off first with your third pick in, in the first round by selecting Ezekiel Elliott. And my first running back was Le'Veon Bell in the third round. Uh, you clearly won this first battle, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you went with that wide receiver quarterback combo with the one, two. So I went running back first. And I mean, anytime you get a chance at one of those top three running backs, you're probably going to win that first running back battle. <laughs> yeah, Elliot's a machine. Are there any concerns for you, though, with McCarthy being the new kid in town that Zeke won't be eating as much this year as he has in the past? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think any coach coming into that situation will realize what an animal you have in the backfield and, and what he's capable of doing. So McCarthy's a smart guy. I don't think he'd be dumb enough to, you know, game plan away from a horse like Zeke. Yeah, well, give me some hope when it comes to my Le'Veon Bell pick because I feel like I reached for Le'Veon, even though it wasn't really reaching. That's kind of where his draft position is. But he wasn't high on my radar. Yeah, you know what? You needed to, at that point, obviously, get a running back. And, and to start with a guy like Le'Veon Bell, look, in that range of running backs, even Melvin Gordon, who I picked right before that, is not a bell cow back. You look at a guy like Le'Veon, and not just by name, he is a bell cow back. He's going to be a three-down back. He's a guy who can carry the load, who will receive passes out of the backfield. He's going to be involved in games, you know, no matter if they're up or if they're down. He's going to be a part of the game plan. So to start your draft off with a need for a running back and getting one who, as long as he stays healthy, will be on the field most of the time, not a bad start. Not a bad guy to start with. And he has pretty much stayed healthy over his career. Missed a couple games in Pittsburgh, but, man, they used him a bunch. Uh, he seems to be a little bit smarter of a running back at this point where he's doesn't mind going out of bounds nearly as often. Uh, with my first pick in the draft, I picked Michael Thomas. On the way back around, your second pick was DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know who to give the advantage to on this, but Michael Thomas, he sure is a stud there in for the New Orleans Saints. And Do you think that Sanders is going to cut into his targets too much, though? I think he'll cut into it some. But, I mean, it's not going to be something that's going to make Michael Thomas not Michael Thomas. I mean, the guy, look, if it was anybody but Michael Thomas and maybe Julio Jones, I would say, oh, I got DeAndre Hopkins in the second round. I'm going to win a, a wide receiver battle for sure. But, I mean, I'd take Hopkins over Devontae Adams, even over a Tyreek Hill. But I, I got to give you a slight edge there with Michael Thomas. The guy's just an animal. I mean, the guy catches everything thrown his way, and, and it's thrown its way quite a lot. And the rapport he's built with Breeze, he trusts him. And I know Breeze wants to win one on his way out. So I'm sure he'll keep feeding his guy. Yeah, and I, I, I know Thomas is a really nice guy. Seems like a really nice guy. But he also looks like one of those guys you don't want to make mad. I, <laughs> that's the impression I get from, and and I would give myself I would give myself the advantage there too with Thomas Hopkins changing teams in the off season in a COVID year. I, I, I don't know. I, Thomas is going to be able to pick up right where he left off, and maybe there's some learning there. Maybe there has to be a learning curve there with Hopkins in Arizona. Yep. Point for you. Point for you. All right. So then I got Lamar. As the first quarterback off the board, um, you took Kyler Murray in the sixth round. And when I look back at this draft, I don't want to say that I reached for Lamar here because he was going to go in that second round, I believe. Uh, 
but I do wish I would have. I wish I would have waited. I think Kyler Murray is going to be. I ain't going. I'm not going to say just as good of a quarterback this year as Lamar, but man, he he's not going to be far. I don't want to say he's not going to be far away. He's he's just he's going to be good enough. I think I I wish I would have waited for a quarterback. From your mouth to God's ears with that one, man. I'm really hoping that Kyler develops this year into a Lamar Light type of quarterback. You know, obviously. If we're doing this one-for-one type of comparison, obviously I'm going to give the nod to Lamar Jackson over anybody not named Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really hope that that, that um, disparity between the two really isn't that far. And I hope that with the weapons that Kyler has now, including DeAndre, and that's partially why I wanted to draft Kyler. I had a target on, ty- on Kyler this year coming into draft season, just trying to get a share of him because I think he could be a Lamar light. But once I drafted Hopkins in the second round there, I knew that I was going to try to get Kyler at some point in this draft. And I even went and grabbed him over guys like Dak and Deshaun, who I think might be better than him. But I wanted to get that pairing of Hopkins and Murray. And I really hope you're right and that he does become a Lamar Light. I think he possibly could. And I had him circled as well as one of my guys. I I don't know why I picked Lamar Jackson there, other than I thought at the moment, and keep this was a slow draft. This is my first slow draft experience. Uh, I've I started doing best balls last year. I haven't quite figured out best ball completely yet. I do understand some things. I think this draft right here helps help remind me of best ball strategies more than anything else. I like to look for guys who I think are going to win the week by themselves, and Lamar Jackson is one of those guys. I think I'm going to switch that strategy, though, to try and span that out a little bit because, like I said, I think I got a quarterback a little bit too early here. Yeah, and my philosophy in a best ball, and I I understand what you're saying, having a guy who could win a week by himself is an asset to have. My philosophy in a best ball is to build as much depth at those core positions as possible. Um, And you'll see the way that I went through this draft was I hammered the running backs early because I feel like, obviously, most years we say this, But this year, I feel like there's really a disparity from the first four rounds or so running backs to everything that comes after that. So what I wanted to do here was just go hard at running back early. And I planned on doing my first three, if not first four picks being running back until Hopkins fell into my lap. But I followed Hopkins up with Gordon and Carson just to shore up my running back room right off the bat. And then you'll see a little bit later on, I hammered run, uh, wide receivers hard in those middle rounds. In a best ball format, I look at it as I want to build up solid depth of guys who have a chance of having two touchdown games. That's the way I look at it. You know, as many guys as I have that could get a two touchdown game, those will be the guys that slide into your best ball lineup and ultimately win you a week. And and I am with you on that. I'm. I am a running back guy, <laughs> and I, my first two picks were wide receiver, quarterback. I, I, I'm still scratching my head over that. But whenever Kamara is on my team, he doesn't perform well. It's just one of those things. I, I have a short list of people like that. Alshon Jeffrey is one of them, and I ended up drafting him in, in there as well. <laughs> Sa- Sammy Watkins is one of those guys. When they're on my team, T.Y. Hilton is one of those guys. They, I just can't get them to produce, and it's my fault. I'm a bad coach. Maybe sometimes, as soon as I, as soon as I trade them or something like that, there they go. There, and, and if I try to get them back, here they stop again. Uh, Der- 
I don't like Derrick Henry's strength of schedule this year. I think he's still going to be a machine, but we're in a PPR league. I didn't want to go for Derrick Henry in the fourth slot. Dalvin Cook's still kind of a mystery of what's going on. If I'm, I don't like getting people who aren't happy going into a contract year who did not get a contract. I always think that there's an injury waiting to happen, whether there is a real injury or whether it's just, hey, I'm not going to play and put my body on the line for you guys who don't want to pay me. That's a good so point. I'm iffy on that. So you know, that, that was Team 7. He went 7th in our draft. And then Joe Mixon, I've been burned by him. Josh Jacobs, I wouldn't have mind taking Josh Jacobs. But, man, I was sitting at number 4, and I'm going to take Josh Jacobs over everybody, over Michael right. Thomas. Right. Uh, this is one of those drafts that you wish was on the sleeper app. Trade your yeah. draft pick, trade back a few <laughs> spots, and get a little get a little bit more draft capital out of it, too. <laughs> Yeah, so I couldn't do that. So then Lamar Jackson was the guy who was just staring right at me, so I got him. On the way back, you went in the third round. You got Melvin Gordon as your second running back. I think that's a pretty good point. I took Devin Singletary as my third running back. I don't know that we're going to see a big difference between the production of the two. You know what? Both of them are similar in the fact that they're going to be most likely sharing a workload. Um, you know, Singletary has the rookie chomping at his heels, and Gordon's coming into a new situation with a guy like Lindsay who has been productive in the past. Um, especially in a PPR format, you figure that mm-hmm. Lindsay's going to take some of that pass-catching duty from Gordon. I really like the potential of Gordon this year, scoring a lot of touchdowns. I mean, look at... Last year, he shared a role with Eckler, who was very similar to a Lindsay, probably better than Lindsay, but a similar type of of running back. And Gordon still scored eight touchdowns, very productive, short yardage, goal line, red zone back. And I think that in Denver, with the young quarterback, they're going to rely on having the veteran. And the money they gave him leads me to believe that they have an idea in their head to give him a, a good chunk of the workload. So I'm pretty confident that he'll do well in Denver. Well, you took him over Le'Veon Bell, and I was glad you did because I wanted that receiving running back for PPR. But your only other running back choices, and you say you hammered it home, right there were either uh, Gordon, Bell, Gurley, Fournette, who we don't, I think with the addition of Chris Thompson in Jacksonville, nobody anticipates Leonard Fournette to continue to get all those receptions like he did last year. And you didn't want you didn't want James Conner there. I'm not. I've never been a Conner owner in fantasy football. I'll admit that I've never drafted James Conner before. Even the year of the Bell year, where everybody kind of won leagues with with Conner, um, mm-hmm. I've never had him just because I don't know that I believe that he's the great back that everyone thinks he is. I love his story. I love that he's a survivor. Um, but I don't know that he's a fourth-round running back. I Honestly, I don't know that he's a guy that I, I'm going to draft in, a th- in his top of the third-round running back there. I really I don't think that yeah. he's better than Gordon, Bell, even Gurley. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That would have been a far reach. But there was no – I mean, Jonathan Taylor went in the fourth round, but I couldn't take a rookie there in the third round either. I'm just looking for PPR backs at this point. And that's why I was glad I had an opportunity to get Singletary, really hoping that he's going to be that PPR back uh, as my second running back just because I, I, I love what he did last year. He didn't have as good of a yards after the catch 
that I would like for a running back, but I think with the addition of Diggs on that team and John Brown just kind of running down the field together, that's going to stretch that offense out a little bit more or stretch the defense out a little bit more, which may open up those underneath uh, things, uh, underneath routes for Singletary. Yeah, and I like Singletary a lot. I had him in a couple of different leagues last year, and I do like him a lot. He showed a lot of flashes of what he could actually be. I think a lot of people are really high on Moss coming in um, as a rookie back, but I, I've told you before, I'm not very high on these rookie backs in the in the COVID offseason. Um, and, and with a guy like Singletary, I think he's undersold. I think he's he doesn't get talked about the way other backs that are similar to him get talked about. I think he could really surprise some people and, and kind of hold off Moss for getting the majority of the work there in Buffalo. So your third running back was Chris Carson. Your fourth running back in uh, your third running back there was in the fourth round. Your fourth running back was James White in the eighth round. My third running back was Carryon Johnson. Fourth running back was Ronald Jones in the sixth and seventh rounds, respectively. I I don't know what to think about Carryon Johnson. He was he was the name on the board that I was hoping would do would do well. <laughs> but Carryon Johnson makes me nervous as all get out every time I have him on my team. I'm so confused with Carry On, and if you ask Donkey Teeth from Razzball, he's a big Carry On truther. He even has a Carry On uh, fathead behind him when you watch any of the any of his podcasts. <laughs> he loves Carry On, and honestly, I, I liked him too. I had him a couple of places last year, um, and it's again one of those situations where you have a running back that's a rookie coming in in DeAndre Swift that. Everybody is hyping up, and Swift even went the round before Carry On, as we're seeing in a lot of drafts. You're seeing these rookies go higher than than the vets, and I just don't know that he's going to just come in and take the job. So even if you get a solid five, six weeks out of Carry On, look, it's a best ball format. So if you get six solid weeks out of Carry On, hey, I'll take that. You still got, and that's why it's important to have built up some depth there at running back, so that way you know. If he does lose the job, you still got four or five other guys that could come in and score enough points to take that starting spot in the best ball. I don't know if I have any depth because, like I said, I got Ronald Jones, and I'm I hear I hear the I see the smoke coming out of Tampa Bay's uh, mini camps and and whatnot or whatever they're having right now. I see that smoke. I don't always believe smoke this time of year, though. Uh, Ronald Jones will still I'll have to see it from him to get Tom Brady's trust before I believe it yeah there's a lot of coach talk at this time of year obviously but you know I'm a big Bucks fan and if I were to if somebody were to ask me what Bucks running back are you taking it's hands down Ronald Jones I mean you saw some good flashes out of him the last couple of years and he's never shown that he could fully put it together but all the reports from the Bucks people are, are saying that he's coming in in great shape. He bulked up a bit. Um, you know, the coaching staff wants to give him a shot. Obviously, they drafted a rookie running back in case it didn't work. But they want to give him a shot. And they came out and said it this week that, it, that he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the one who gets the ball first. So as long as he doesn't squander that opportunity, he's going to be the back. I, I don't fear Agumbawale taking the job and I don't fear old man McCoy taking the job from him you know yeah they'll both be involved in third downs probably Agumbawale is a good receiving back but I mean that's that's Ronald Jones's backfield and honestly I think he's your running back three 
Yeah, I do too. And uh, I believed in that Agunliable. Agum- How do you say it? <laughs> Agunbawale. Agun Agun. I believed in that guy last year. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Agunbawale. Agunbawale. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, I believed in him last year, and uh, it, it it was totally disappointing. So I'm not going to believe in that again. All right. So James White. That was a huge question mark for me going into any draft and going into this season. I hear all the chickens clucking out of New England, and I know everything going on there. And James White is like going to be the PPR machine like he has in years past. But, man, we got Cam Newton there. I don't know. I, I don't know <laughs> if Cam's going to be able to check down and find James the way that Tom Brady did. Yeah, and Tom Brady and James White obviously had a great rapport together, but if you remember when Cam was at his best in Carolina, he had another good little back that he used to throw the ball to a lot out of the backfield. So I think, obviously, James White is no Christian McCaffrey. But at that Mm -hmm. point in the draft, I was debating between White and Jordan Howard, and and I almost took Jordan Howard there. Um, But I looked at the backs that I had, and I had Ezekiel Elliott, I had Melvin Gordon, who I said I, I... feel is a, a touchdown scoring back who might lose pass catching duties. Chris Carson is a banger. I wanted a guy who was a pass catching back. I wanted a guy who was a PPR running back. So I grabbed James White there over Jordan Howard. And I think that Cam will utilize him. I mean, if you look at the re- receiving core there in New England, it is obviously uh, um, not as deep as some of the other receiving cores. You, you obviously you got your Edelman. Everybody's big on Harry, and you know how big I am on Muhammad Sanu this year. But James White coming out of the backfield is going to be an asset for Cam, and I think he's going to utilize that. And one other thing that I was thinking of with that as you talked was with the New England Patriot defense all opting out for this season, almost all opting out. They might be really playing from behind this year, which is going to set up a lot of opportunities for James White to be the dump-off guy, to be that guy. And without a a lot of established receivers in that system, James White could be looking at a lot of receptions there. Absolutely right. I love when the game script favors the pass catching back. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm going to – let's see. Let's see here. Melvin Gordon or Devin Singletary, who do you give a point to there? Hmm, that one's tough. I mean, people think that Singletary is going to lose the job. I personally don't. I think they're similar backs, both sharing a workload. Ah, man. I might give you a slight edge there, but that's as close to a draw as it gets. I Look, I got two draws on the table. I know that that means that we can't make a decision on this on this podcast, but I, I gave the Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray thing a draw as well, just because I like where you drafted Kyler Murray better than where I drafted Lamar Jackson. So I'll give I'll give that Gordon Singletary thing a draw. Carson versus Carrion. I got to give Carson a point there. Yeah, I would definitely give Carson over Carrion. As much as I think Carrion doesn't lose the job right away, I, I would take Carson over Carrion. Sorry, DT. <laughs> Ron- <laughs> Ronald Jones or James White? Who do you think on that one? You can't ask me that question. I'm a Bucks fan. <laughs> My Buck fandom wants to say Ronald Jones. I mean, I, I would probably lean Ronald Jones, but I'm a biased opinion. 
That, that's a tough one. Who's going to have more fantasy points at the end of the season? Maybe that could be a poll question you put out, Ronald Jones or James White, because that's that would be interesting to see what our what a, what the public thinks about that. It is hard for me to say that too. The only reason why I would say Ronald Jones, and I'm going by uh, Coop's checklist. Remember, he had that five checklist on the show pass that we did with him. Yeah. Uh, you. And and I would say that Ronald Jones would get the touchdown looks. It went inside the one yard line where maybe James White won't. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially a bulked up Ronald Jones. Hey, I like a bulked up anything. <laughs> All right, so we're we're sitting at two two. We got a draw here at two as well. So we we got a third competitor. <laughs> All right, so I drafted Ertz in the fifth round. Zach Ertz, you know, Mister Hundred Target tight end guy and you got ingram down there in the seventh for your first tight end off the board i like both players i think i like Ertz's durability better i like his system better in philadelphia and the, the bond that he has with his quarterback and really not a lot of weapons around him I, I always get a hard time because i say that philadelphia has no wide receivers and in my brain they don't have any wide receivers. I'm sorry. I understand they bring in Rieger. I understand who they have in their wide receiving core. But to me, that's not anybody going into the year 2020. No, you're absolutely right. And Ertz definitely has the the better route to targets on the offense that he's in than Angram does with the Giants with a lot of different wide receivers that could take targets from him. I think it's funny that you talk about how the Philly – team doesn't really have wide receivers and then you scroll down your list in the draft and you drafted two of them (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean i think Ertz definitely has the potential to get more volume than angram although i do think if angram gets healthy which obviously we all know is very hard but if he stays healthy he could be a top three tight end and i think coop was saying the same thing on last last show that we did and a lot of people are high on Engram, but there's always that injury question mark with him. And it's not just like, oh, well, if he stays healthy, this guy has a history of not staying healthy. So I definitely give you the point with Ertz there. Okay, I'll take the point on that one. But I, I did, I do wish two things out of this draft that I would have waited on quarterback and I would have waited on tight end. There was a lot of tight ends out there. I think I could have drafted one a little bit later and uh, or picked a different running back. That's what I wish. I wish I would have built that depth. And that's one of the things that, like I was saying before, is I always want to hammer running back and, and some of those top receivers early in these type of drafts. And that's usually my draft strategy no matter what. Um, very rarely do I take a quarterback early, and I try not to take a tight end early, although this year I, I'm finding that by round seven I want to have, or even round six I want to have my top tight end because I mm-hmm. think that there's a big fall off from that tight end five six seven area i'm not big on the jared cooks and the tyler higbees and the austin hoopers and noah fans i not really sold on those guys those are that's where you start getting into the all right you can go two for 20 or you can go six for 100 so you know i want to grab one of those top six or seven tight ends and then just go from there but i don't know i mean I probably could have taken Ertz, and I did think about Ertz in the fifth. I'll be completely honest with you. I was contemplating Ertz in the fifth right before your pick, but I decided to go Tyler Lockett instead because I wanted that wide receiver asset more than the tight end asset, knowing that there were still guys like Andrews, Waller, Engram on the board that might come back to me. Yeah, and I 
I got nervous right there because all the running backs had already disappeared uh, <laughs> that I wanted, that I was targeting. All the running backs had disappeared. And so I didn't want to be stuck without having a tight end, too. And I was like, man, I don't know that these guys are going to be around anymore because we already had Kittle and we already had Kelsey go off the board. And so then it was Ertz, Andrews, Waller, and Ingram, who I kind of was like, all right, I got to get one of those big guys. I got to get one of those big guys. So I had to take one there because I – I was really scared that they weren't going to be around any much whenever it rolled back around to me. Yeah, and I always flip flop with, all right, do I do that and take my guy and lock it up and then figure out running back and wide receiver later? But anytime I've done that, and anytime that I found when I do that, I struggle to play catch up. And mm-hmm. you know, it looks like you feel the same way coming back with your carry on Johnson. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I did, and that was that was tough. But once again, I either had to pick David Johnson. Akers, Swift, or Dobbins in in for the running backs, and I just didn't. I, I wasn't real comfortable with those guys. I it, it all seemed to be. I don't want to say backups at that point, but it kind of it kind of was. So I just went ahead and went with Zach Ertz. So let me ask you a question, Wes. What then? Obviously, take fandom or anything out of the equation, or who's on your team already. What pairing would you rather have? Let's say David Johnson or Cam Akers with Darren Waller. Or Zach Ertz with Carryon Johnson, because that's how you got to think about it. Because no, if you're right. you went David Johnson or Cam Akers there, then you come back around and you end up with Waller was still there, or even if Waller went during that round, you get Ingram there. So then it's like, all right, do you get an upgrade by taking David Johnson or Akers as your back there, and not much of a downgrade going from Ertz to Waller or Ingram in that next round? No, you're, you're absolutely right, and that's what I say. As In hindsight, I'm looking at this, and I wish I wouldn't have, I don't want to say reached, but I wish I wouldn't have taken Lamar Jackson or Zach Ertz in those positions. I wish I would have built up depth instead. So, I, I look, on this show, we're going to share our inadequacies as well as we share our <laughs> victories. I'll be the first one to uh, have a parade down the middle of West Street whenever I do something great. So I will go ahead and have a parade now and wear toilet paper all around me instead of a nice first place ribbon at this point. So I, I hope that our listeners can learn from things that we do. That's what we're here for. We're here to learn. We, we're not going to hit 100% every time. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I was in the middle of this draft room. By the time I took Ertz, I think we were on day four. <laughs> at least so I mean, it was it was a different draft room in my opinion i'd never been part of a slow draft before so i think i was i think I, that kind of shook me a little bit but I, we'll see how things always shake out one sometimes like i said before in, in a podcast you go out of a draft and you go that's a terrible team and it ends up being a great team so you just don't ever know yeah absolutely and on on the other side of it a lot of times you leave a draft room saying, oh, man, this team is awesome. I love this team because obviously you're going to love this team. You drafted your guys. Yeah. If you didn't if you didn't like those guys, you wouldn't have drafted them. So, of course, you're going to leave going, wow, look at this list of guys that I like. Well, yeah, that's why you chose them. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why they play the games, right? That's right. And I want to remind everybody they're listening to the Fantasy Impact Today show uh, with me and JB here on the podcast. Uh, JB, where can they find you? At Fantasy Coach JB on the Twitter waves, and you can find my articles on Razzball. That's right. And we want to encourage you to please slap the like, slap the review, subscribe to the show, just slap all those things so that we can keep this Fantasy Impact Today movement going. Absolutely. Right. 
All right, JB, you picked Tyler Lockett as your second wide receiver. I got John Brown a couple of rounds later because I had to scramble for those running backs. Who do you like? I I, I got to give you the edge on this Tyler Lockett over John Brown, but I'm going to be honest with you, not by much. Yeah, I'm a big Tyler Lockett fan. I, I do think that Lockett was having a great season last year before he got injured and took a while to get back on track and was deployed as a decoy a little bit. He does have DK Metcalf out there, who a lot of people are very high on and think that will take a lot of the volume away from Lockett. But I think Lockett's a top 15, top 10 even type wide receiver in the league. I do like John Brown, um, but I think especially with Diggs coming there, Diggs will be the alpha in that uh, in that passing offense. I think that Allen is not exactly a accurate quarterback, so there's going to be some errant passes going John Brown's way. I do like his potential, especially in a best ball. He's a, he's the type of guy, like I said before, that can go deep and score you two touchdowns in a game. So I love you getting him in the eighth round of a best ball draft, absolutely. But if we're comparing the two one-to-one, i got to give it to Lockett. Yeah, I had it. I, I I looked at my board at that point and went, I need a ride receiver. You know, I was I, I kind of sounded like Scooby Doo there. Ruh-roh. <laughs> I need a ride receiver. <laughs> and you just missed Emmanuel Sanders too. Well, I I couldn't take Emmanuel Sanders. I think whenever I got whenever I picked John Brown, I went, How many players do I have on my team that are in bye week eleven? Oh Ooh. no. That's what that's what Donkey T said to avoid was was to not get too many players in the playoff five weeks. And I went, oh, man, I'm in trouble now. But, you know, on with my pick of John Brown, the wide receivers that were looking at me at that point were Jalen Rieger, Hardman, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald. I, I mean, by it was hands down John Brown. I had to pick him. Yeah. Yeah. I like Brown out of those, especially in a in a best ball format like. He's a guy who could easily score you two touchdowns on some long passes to rack up some yardage. Okay, John Brown was a good pick in the eighth round, but not as good as your second uh, second wide receiver in Tyler Lockett. We are tied at three apiece. I know you're a game show guy, so that's that's why I kind of wanted to do this (laughs) format. And in the next round, in round nine, we this was very interesting. We did not do this for the show, just to let everybody know. You picked on the way it was coming. It was coming from you to me. You picked Christian Kirk, and I, I, I already knew who I was going to pick if he made it to me. I picked Larry Fitzgerald. Now, let's be in all fairness here. Around us here, after this at this time, it was Jerry, du- Jerry Judy, Darius Slayton, uh, Henry Ruggs. So I think that these two and CeeDee Lamb ended up being picked as the, as the one, two, three, fourth wide receiver after we made our pick. What do you think of our Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald combination here? You know, at that pick, I was debating between the two of them because at that point, I have Hopkins, mm-hmm. I have Kyler. Mm-hmm. So I said, hmm, let me go all in with this Arizona stack here. So if I grab, if I have Kyler and Hopkins and grab another one of those wide receivers, chances are, if there's a multiple touchdown week from Kyler, I'm going to get all of those, if not a couple of those touchdowns with my two wide receivers that I grab. So I was debating between Kirk and Fitz, and man, it's it's that classic old versus new thing. You want the yeah. old reliable, or you want the shiny new car? I mean, I man, I went with the shiny new car. Just <laughs> yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying. I, Kirk always 
He scares me a little bit. Reminds me a little bit of like a T.Y. Hilton or something. They, I thought he was going to make my list of players that always burn me. And and Fitz is always one of those players. I'm like, ah, come on, Larry Fitzgerald. I don't want And then every year he seems to produce. And I just wonder how much they're going to allow Fitz to be that red zone guy to get those touchdowns. Hopkins right. seems like a very, you know, he, he's a very tip of the hat kind of a guy. Hopkins is. I know he wants his. I know he likes to get his. I think in that offense, everybody will get every everybody will get everything, and we won't have to worry about it. But fits with a number one receiver now, besides himself in that offense. Look, he's the familiar face. He's the go-to guy. Let's let Fitz. Let's 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 get this one for Fitzy. You know, I, I could see that going on. You're absolutely right, and you're making me contemplate, uh, second guess that pick there. Honestly, I, I I was debating between the two. I went with Kirk for the flashier young upside. I've just for years now I've said, "Oh, Larry Fitz, he's getting old. He's got to have a decline eventually." But he never ever declines. So I look at it as this time. All right, maybe he does decline, but you're right. He never does. He probably won't. <laughs> It'd be crazy to see him playing in five years from now and him and Frank Gore high-fiving each other on the same team. <laughs> Man, dinosaurs. <Okay. laughs> so on the, on, the next, on the next round, this was really interesting to me on the next round because all of a sudden, all the, all the running backs are off the board, right? Uh, we're now looking at the best backups. And who is going to offer the most talent? Who's going to see the most playing time? At least that's what I was thinking at this point. And I, I'm not a rookie guy. There were uh, people pick Boston Scott, people pick Matson, people pick Tevin Coleman and Zach Moss, which I was so happy to see go. Uh, Daryl Henderson, and then it was Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard, or Carlos Hyde. And I really was debating about Carlos Hyde or Latavius Murray. And I thought for sure you would pick Carlos Hyde because you had Chris Carson. But I'm glad you went Tony Pollard because he offers some upside for you that you don't necessarily have on your team. I picked Latavius Murray. So uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I went Pollard there because I have Ezekiel Elliott, obviously. So Pollard is the guy who for the last couple of years, everyone talks about as being the top handcuff or one of the top handcuffs because the running system that Dallas has and Pollard has shown flashes in the past that he could fill in that role if anything happened to Zeke. Um, but I think Pollard also has standalone value. I think that he'll be used in different aspects. I was reading reports that they were lining him up as a wide receiver this year. And obviously that wide receiver group is already pretty packed. And there's only so many targets that can go around. But I think Pollard has standalone value, which is similar to Latavius Murray, who, yeah, Kamara's the lead back there. But he's a guy who has also shown that if anything happens to Kamara, Lat Murray comes right in, takes the role, takes the reins. He's produced in that role, but I think that he also could score those goal line touchdowns too if they're going to give Kamara a break or give him a spell. And both of those guys are, are two of, I would say, the two of the top three handcuffs in football. And at that point in the draft, I mean, it's a good good time to start taking those. I took a guy who was my back's handcuff. You took a guy who was someone else's back handcuff. And, and, Different people look at it differently. My man Kev Tompkins from Fighting Chance always says that he prefers to have somebody else's handcuff than his own. So you could look at that either way. I don't know if I agree with that. If I was going to get a handcuff, I was looking for standalone value a little bit. And uh, Murray, I believe, and Kamara had had a pretty even 
snap share last season. And I know that was due to Kamara's injury and Latavius Murray having a lot of snaps while he was out. But but Latavius Murray is always a good backup at this point. Hey, another interesting one that happened in round 12 for us. You picked Rashard Rashard Perryman, and I picked Robbie Anderson. I, I... out with the old, in with the new kind of a thing there. I don't know what to expect out of Robbie Anderson, but the way I looked at it is, okay, DJ Moore, I get DJ Moore, but Robbie Anderson's Robbie Anderson, and if anything else, he's going to always put up good numbers for me come playoff time in a fantasy season. I love the way Perryman looks. I love how big he is. I love his size and the opportunities that he took advantage of last season in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's a new change of scenery, but Perryman may be a star this season. He could be. I mean, obviously that Jets team has some question marks at wide receiver, and Perriman actually comes in to fill that Robbie Anderson role. So it's ironic that they went back-to-back in our drafts, that you went Anderson, and immediately I went and took his replacement in New York. Um, I do think with Carolina, Robbie Anderson has more competition. Um, obviously, you mentioned DJ Moore, Curtis Samuels there. They got a new coach, a new quarterback, a new system. So, I mean, a guy changing places to a team that has all this change in flux already could go either way. But, again, that's a guy who, like you said, could win you weeks, could win you playoffs. I remember a couple years ago, Robbie Anderson was on my wife's fantasy team, and he led her to the playoffs, to the championship game, and then, of course, had it done in the championship game. But, I mean, that's a guy who, especially in a best ball format in round 12, that's a great pick there. I'll take that upside. and. Like you said, Perriman showed his flashes in Tampa at the end of the season. He really took advantage of the opportunities. And obviously that was with Evans and Godwin out. So he showed that he could step up. I never believed in Perriman. Even the whole season last year on the Bucks, I didn't believe in him at all. I mean, we saw what he what a bust he had been in the past. So yeah. he showed that I guess he could step up and be a number one guy. So let's see if he could do it in New York. I I I love the opportunities that he has there. It's it's him and Crowder. That's it. Let's yep. go. Uh, all right. So I I got Tannehill. You got Renfro. And then in the next one, I <laughs> <laughs> my favorite picks. <laughs> uh, on the way back, I was looking at quarterback. I wanted to get a third quarterback, and what I really wanted to do was find one who, at this point of the draft, a best ball draft, we're we're in round fourteen now. I'm looking for flyers. I'm looking for people who are going to win a week by themselves is what I'm thinking, if given the opportunity to do so. I know everybody is down on Mitchell Trubisky, and I'm I'm one of them. I don't, I don't pick my team's quarterback. I don't pick anybody from my team, JB. I don't pick, <laughs> I don't pick Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> I don't. There's so many I don't do's that I ended up doing in this draft, but I ended up picking Mitchell Trubisky over Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, and Drew Locke. Really the reasoning behind it when I was looking at it and contemplating it for the minute that I did. I I think about those weeks where Mitch was putting up 25 plus points, uh, 30 plus points in, in maybe a week or two in his prime when he made the Pro Bowl a couple of seasons ago in fantasy football. You have to look. Of course, it all depends on what format that you're in. And I was thinking, you know, if they allow Mitch to run this year, like they did a couple of seasons ago, he he might be able to. 
he might be able to, I know what I'm going to get in Jimmy G. I know Jimmy G doesn't have any weapons right now in San Francisco other than Kittle and the dump off running backs. I see that. I think that Mitchell Trubisky has more upside than Jimmy G does, but Jimmy G's floor is just way higher than Mitch Trubisky's compare, considering that Mitch may end up not even playing. <laughs> <laughs> this season. I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to make myself a believer. I don't like that I picked Mitchell Trubisky here, but I think you had burned me in the draft, in the Hunger Games draft. And so I was a little bit gun shy. I was like, oh, he's going to pick Mitch. And uh, you laughed at me whenever I picked Mitch. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if it makes you feel any better, Wes, that wasn't the worst picking Mitch Trubisky over somebody's story of the past two years. My wife was in a work league that she shared a team with one of her her co-workers last year and she comes home and shows me the team and I was pretty impressed with the team it was a pretty solid team and then a couple weeks later we did a, a walk for a charity with with other members of her her work and I was talking to the kid who she shares the team with and I was like Mitch Trubisky is your starting quarterback he's like yeah you know it was kind of thin at that point when we were drafting quarterbacks so I was really debating between him or Lamar Jackson I figured he was the better option oh. I was like wait a minute you had Lamar Jackson as an option, and you chose Mitch Trubisky over Lamar Jackson. So if it makes you feel any better, picking Trubisky over Garoppolo, Mayfield, Locke, Carr is not as bad as picking him over Lamar last year. <laughs> well, that's true. I have Ryan Tannehill on my team, so I have my high floor guy, right? I got my Lamar Jackson. I was looking for a high ceiling guy. I don't know if Mitch Trubisky is going to be that guy, but I was looking for that, that, that weak winner at that point. And you know what? As your QB three in a best ball, that's not bad, Wes. It's not. It's really not, not as bad as I'm. I'm making making it out to be <laughs> as your QB three. At that point, I was looking for my QB two, and I had Kyla Murray, who could be Lamar Jackson, or he could be 2019 Lamar Jackson, or he could be 2019 Baker Mayfield. So you know, coming back at that point, looking for my QB two, I was debating between Jimmy and Baker Mayfield. So if Baker Mayfield was my pick and Kyla Murray and Baker Mayfield were 2019 Baker Mayfield, I'd be in a lot of trouble. So yes. having Jimmy come back to me, as, and I just wrote an article on Rasbol about Jimmy G. I think that he's severely underrated. I think a lot of people point to that, oh, they're a, they're a running offense and he doesn't have many weapons and he doesn't throw the long ball. But there's a lot of stats that you don't realize about Jimmy. I mean, he, he, he was the... He, he threw for almost 4,000 4, yards last year. Mm -hmm. He throws short passes, but the guys that he has that he's throwing the ball to are yak monsters. They take that short pass and they take it 12 yards. He can balance out those rough Kyler weeks in a best ball, and I'm happy with him in that place as my as my QB too. Yeah, and I what I love most about that San Francisco offense is they keep you, keep you off balance. You know, uh, they they try to make you run one way and then they throw it the other way. It's that's that's why those yak monsters are there because they have so much wide open field in front of them. Uh, that everybody else they they give them the old rope a dope is what they do. Yep, yep, exactly. Shanahan's an offensive genius, so he knows how to get those guys in space and and let them create something. Yeah, the rest of the draft, I, I'm not going to say is is kind of chalky, but we're all looking for things at this point, and I. I was thinking Alshon, if he does get healthy, comes back. I, I, I picked Greg Ward as a Philadelphia Eagle receiver as well. Just I think they got to throw it to they got to try to throw it to somebody at the beginning of the year. I'm thinking Alshon sweeps in week six, week eight, however, whatever that pup list is or whatever they have there, the injured list is, and then he maybe helps them make a playoff run. 
So that's that's kind of the way I was thinking on those two picks. What about yeah, and your... that's the thing. At pick 15 and pick 18 to grab those two guys, you're kind of figuring you're splitting the season with the Philadelphia wide receiver there. So if you use if Ward's the guy who's getting the targets in the beginning, you got him for the beginning of the season stats. And then if Alshon actually does come back healthy, you got him for that stretch run. So I, I like the way that you double tap those guys there. I do like that. And with that $10 fab that we have in this league, too, I figured if Alshon sits out the whole year, I'll just fab him out for somebody else. I noticed, too, that you had the old Atlanta wide receiver, Mohamed Sanu, with the new Atlanta receiver, Gage. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize until you said it that that's what I did. I have the Sanu and the Sanu replacement. Um <laughs> Anybody who's followed my Twitter or read my articles or has been in any chat groups with me know that there is nobody who I've planted my flag on more than Mohamed Sanu this season. My flag is planted in the ground. I am standing there next to that flag. I am on that ship and riding it all the way. I think the value that you're getting this guy at, and especially here, I think I I probably could have gotten him another round or two later. But I'm making sure that I go up and get this guy in, in almost every draft that I can this year. I think that he's totally underrated. He's only 30 years old. He's already establishing rapport with Newton. He's got one of the best hands in the league. He's working extremely hard. He hired a coach to come live in his house with him to train in the offseason. His Instagram videos will inspire you. I mean, looking at him working out in those videos, running routes with the music behind it. Man, uh, if, if anybody is watching, is listening to this and hasn't seen Mohamed Sanu's Instagram page and you don't believe me, go and his Instagram page will inspire you to draft him as well. This guy I'm, I'm so in on this year and everybody who has followed my Twitter at all will know that this is a guy who I'm planting my flag on for sure this year. And kind of wrap everything up, I, 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 I can't believe that MVS was still late in the, this late in the draft. Uh, as a anybody who's in the Green Bay Packers wide receiving core, I don't know who's going to be the number two guy there. I think that changes from week to week. But once again, I look at somebody who might be a weak winner for me, and MVS fits that spot. A spot, and I got him second to last uh, pick uh, in in round nineteen out of twenty. Yeah, that's incredible value there. I mean, obviously, beyond Devonte Adams, somebody needs to catch balls there. Everybody is is talking about Lazard as if it's a, a given that he's that next guy. But I think you're absolutely right. At any given week, it could be Valdez Scantling. It could be MVS, and he could be that weak winner for you. And that's why, again, in this best ball format, especially with you not grabbing your wide receiver two until the eighth round, being able to get a guy like MVS in the 19th can be a guy who slots into one of those wide receiver spots half of your weeks because he scores a touchdown or two. So that's a great value there in the 19th round. Absolutely. And, and he was available in our other draft around that same time frame. And I was going, what? And so I had to Google his name and see if he had opted out or something. Uh, and he hadn't. And I'm telling everybody right now, I've watched the Green Bay Packers for years and I've seen how Aaron Rodgers treats the wide receivers. <laughs> and if it hits them in the hands and they drop it or they mess up and they run the wrong route, he just tells him, hey, get off the field, get off the field, right? And then he just brings the next one in, and it's a revolving door, I think, after Devontae Adams. And so I think any wide receiver that you get towards those later rounds there are going to pay off 
one, maybe two weeks, hopefully MVS was working with Randy Moss, I think at the end of last season or sometime last year, maybe that's rubbed off a little bit. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, got- that's a good hope to have. If he has a <laughs> fraction of Randy Moss in him, <laughs> that would be a great just, thing to have. Just a little bit. Hey, you picked up Dare uh, as a flyer here towards the end, and you picked up your your uh, fellow Razball uh, Bidon's love of his life, the man crush that he has in Warring. Uh, you got great value there at tight end as your thir- fourth tight end, third tight end. Yeah, my third tight end, and and my last two picks were basically because I had to be a true Razballer and go with the Goombawale and Waring, who are the two guys who in our Razball group chat are talked about more than anybody else. (laughs) They love those two guys. So the fact that I grabbed the Goombawale in the 19th and coming back, there were guys, and admittedly, there are guys that I wanted more than him. Um, I don't know that he'll be the guy that we hope he is. Maybe he will be, and that'll be great. But I, I made that pick just because I'm a Razzball, and I had to do it for the guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. I get that. I, uh, I picked right before you. And the news had broke yesterday. We had wrapped up our draft yesterday. The news had broke about the unfortunate things that happened with Darius Geis in Washington. And I was able to get Bryce Love there as my last pick in, in this Raz Bowl. I, I'm, I'm excited that I got him because I'm not sure it, who else is going to be able to run the ball all the time in Washington. Yeah, you're right. That backfield's a mess now. And, and with your non-depth at running back um excuse me you know, <laughs> with the top quality wide receivers running uh <laughs> running with your top quality wide receivers quarterback and tight end and yeah. having to take a back seat at running back <laughs> I, I think taking a flyer on a guy like love there in the last round is nothing wrong with that at all i mean that backfield is a mess and i think it's going to be whoever has a hot hand. Whoever gets Rivera's trust is going to be the guy who gets the ball. So, I mean, taking a shot at Love there as the fourth to last pick in the draft, why not? That's a that's a lotto ticket. Yeah, I got Bonifon too as a another, you know, just a shot in the dark in case CMC ever gets hurt, and then Bonifon will jump right in there. Great athleticism on his part. As as I went through here, I was marking things. And JB, you you won hands down. I love your depth. I love the things that that your team has to offer you. Um, I wish I would have done things a little bit differently in my draft, if not a lot of bit differently. But I, overall, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I don't think it's a terrible team. JB, I appreciate you joining me. We'll we'll cover other things as we just wanted to make sure we wrapped up the Raz Bowl and tell everybody at Raz Bowl that I said thank you so much for allowing me to participate in some of these uh, draft these draft recaps and for coming on this show jb whenever you whenever you do talk to them absolutely i will i'll pass that along wes we loved having you here it's a great tournament and so glad we can get the participation this year and it's going to be a lot of fun and you can find jb at fantasy coach jb on twitter always a great interaction he'll be sure to interact with you just be careful what you ask for if you ask him into your draft room it'll be that hey yo let's go you're on the clock go time to pick come on time's a ticking (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for listening to this edition of Fantasy Impact Today here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. You can find me, Wes Easley, on Twitter, at Loafinit. All the past podcasts and articles at the we- are at the website, fantasyimpacttoday.com. You can sign up and, 
have an alert sent to you every time new content comes out. You can follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Fit fam, I need you to please slap those stars and those likes. Hit the review button and leave a little review. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the show. But the number one thing we ask you to do, go out into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.